right, let me open us with a prayer. Father, thank you for uh, your scripture, for your word. Uh, I pray, Father, that uh, as we lean in today and, and, and study a portion of your word, that uh, you would give us discernment. And beyond that, I pray that uh, we would take your word uh, and live it out in our lives uh, in a way that uh, glorifies you and uh, gives you praise and honor. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, in this chapter, the Apostle Paul uh, is turning to the issue of spiritual gifts in the church. And uh, he touched on a number of matters, uh, but especially on the value uh, of all spiritual gifts. And he uses some analogies here, and, and, uh, and uh, I'm going to start out with my own little analogy here that, uh, you know, we've seen many changes in the last, during the last 50 years, or for sure I have, because I'm old enough to have seen some of these changes, right? And uh, one of the things that struck me, thinking back uh, on these changes, is the shift from bigger is better, because that's how it was in the 50s and 60s, to smaller is better. Uh, it used to be that, uh, for instance, the biggest computer in the world uh, or uh, in the workplace or in the school was the best computer. And now uh, it seems like the smallest computer is the, is the best computer. And uh, you know, if you have the misfortune of having to replace the smallest component on, on your car computer, I had to go through that, right? Uh, uh, I was really struck of uh, the cost of that component. And uh, so despite something like that being very small, it is vital to the operation of, the, of that computer or of the, of the vehicle. It just won't work without it. So um, I think Paul's going to, uh, pointing out in this chapter that every gift that God gives is, uh, to the church is valuable. Uh, the Corinthians looked at the appearances to determine which gifts were more important than others. Uh, but Paul declared that the smallest and least spectacular gifts are essential to the work of the church. So let's, uh, let's read chapter 12. Let's read it all the way through. Uh, uh, that way, uh, the Holy Spirit is talking to us through the reading of Scripture in case we don't finish, like we have a tendency not to. So would somebody like to read, uh, starting in verse 1? Actually, who, who would like to read uh, just the whole chapter? Anybody? I will read. Yeah, okay, thanks. Now concerning what comes from the Spirit, brothers, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be led off to the idols that could not speak. Therefore I am informing you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are different gifts, but, there, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God activates each gift in each person demonstration of the gift of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one, by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, different kinds of languages. To another, interpretation of languages. But one and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. 
For as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body through many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink one spirit. So the body is not one part, but many. The foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. In spite of this, it is still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. In spite of this, it still belongs to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed each one of the parts in one body, just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? Now there are many parts, yet one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. But even more, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary. For those parts of the body that we think to be less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have a better presentation. But our presentable parts have no need of clothing. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it, and God has placed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, managing, various kinds of languages. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in other languages? Do all interpret? But desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. Thanks, brother. What version was that? HCSB. HCSB. So, I, I was, it's interesting, uh, it, it takes tongues and makes it languages. And uh, I just think that's interesting. Um, Why? Why the word? Well, because it 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 it, it, it uh, and I'll get into it here a little bit. But but uh, I see it the same way. But I was having a hard time putting that together when I was putting this this uh, plan together. You know. Hey, Bob. Howdy. Sorry, I'm late. That's okay. So, Paul explained uh, the role of gifts uh, of the Spirit in worship, <clears throat> beginning with the value of diverse gifts in the worship of God. Uh, he discussed uh, the issue in three main sections here that I could see. First of all, identifying the Spirit. Uh, then the unity and diversity of the of the spiritual manifestations, and then the unity and diversity of members in the body. Uh, now, a lot of controversy exists over whether the supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit in this passage continue today. So I want to address that a little bit. Uh, the controversy generally centers around the issue of special revelation. Uh, some interpreters uh, believe that special revelation continues today, while others deny the giving of new special revelation. Uh, evangelicals take uh, some different positions on the subject, uh, but uh, for the sake of time, I've tried to categorize these uh, under just three positions or three headings, being uh, modification, 
continuation and cessation. Uh, modification holds that significant changes have taken place between the days of Paul and our day. First, the office of the apostle and prophet were foundational uh, offices of the church, and we can see that in Ephesians 2.20, and they were designed specifically to transmit special revelation to the church in its early stages. Uh, in these views, in this uh, view, uh, these offices have ceased. Continuation holds that some traditions affirm that the infallible transmission of special revelation ceased with the closure of Scripture. Even though God <coughs> continues to speak to his church through apostles and prophets and through other supernatural means such as tongues, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, etc. Um, and then the, the final one was cessation. And, uh, you know, some branches of the church assert that all supernatural special revelation has ceased and that God communicates. Uh, with this church today only through the scriptures. This group typically holds a view that miraculous gifts seen in the New Testament have ceased. So that's where they start to differ. Believing that miracles existed to demonstrate the authority of God's infallible spokespersons. Now, when God stopped sending infallible spokespersons, uh, the Spirit stopped bestowing miraculous gifts. In this view, Paul's uh, comments uh, on the supernatural gifts in my nation now are relevant because he gifts no longer exist. So, um, would you mind repeating the middle one? Yeah, continuation? Yeah. Yeah, it, it holds that some traditions affirm that the infallible transmission of special revelation ceased with the closure of Scripture. Even so, God continues to speak to his church through apostles and prophets and through other supernatural means, such as tongues, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. So you'll, you'll find that uh, in Pentecostal circles, uh, uh, mostly. I'm just curious what they think would cease because I heard everything repeated, basically, or uh, everything repeated. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds duplicitous. Okay. Yeah. We yeah. believe that everything stopped except everything. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it, does, it doesn't make sense. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, not that it matters what I think so much, but I hold to the first one modification. Right. I think that uh, uh, there are no new apostles, but I but I do believe that there's there's uh, supernatural gifts that uh, still manifest. All right, but I leave it to you to pray about where you might stand on these positions and to ask God uh, to clarify for you the truth in these matters. Uh, you can do so by digging deep into His Word and don't rely on someone else's opinion or someone else's tradition. Uh, and if, if you really struggle with this, then I highly recommend you reach out to you know, a mentor, or a pastor, or an elder, or, or, or someone that, that you trust as a brother in the Lord or sister in the Lord to you know, talk these things through. Uh, and I want to also add here uh, that arguing with others about your position uh, in a legalistic manner is, is counterproductive and is not loving. Uh, we need to be gracious and tender to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, and it's, it is possible, in my opinion, to be fervent and gracious at the same time. Uh, and I say this because some of these things have divided the church. And I think it's, it's partially responsible for the formation of denominations. And, uh, and you know, it's introduced heresy into the church and made words like doctrine and theology uh, bad words to be avoided. Uh, uh, division and, and not unity occurs. So, 
Uh, we just need to be, uh, uh, again, uh, not legalistic, but we need to be uh, gracious uh, concerning these things. And, I mean, I'll speak personally on this. I, when I was uh, um, about 30 years or so ago, I wasn't gracious or loving about any of these things. You know, I was, I was so just convinced and so fervent uh, that I didn't really want to hear what anybody else had to say. And, uh, and uh, it always got me in, 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 into, into situations with, with brothers that I didn't need to get into, you know. And uh, so thankfully, uh, the Lord has taught me uh, uh, through uh, that kind of disobedience to uh, be more loving, to be more gracious. Uh, can, I, can I ask you a question about uh, your past? Because I've never experienced those things, so I don't really have a basis to make a, a strong opinion one way or the other, because I like your exhortation to be gracious and fervent. I would want to see the gifts in practice and then mm -hmm. make a decision about whether they're legitimate or not. Mm -hmm. And since I've never seen it, I'm saying I haven't seen it, but I'm not saying they don't exist kind of thing, so mm -hmm. maybe modification. But looking back at your past, and I'm assuming you're saying you've seen some of these, these gifts, do you think they were legitimate? Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I can give you uh, a f eyewitness example uh, from my life. Uh, I was um, on a, uh, uh, we called it forward teams uh, for a, a ministry out of San Diego that I was uh, working in. And I was sent up to uh, Sacramento, California to uh, meet with the local churches there and we were setting up for a big uh, evangelistic event and and uh, uh, this uh, event also included a lot of prayer a lot of uh, uh, asking for healing um, uh, uh, things along uh, those lines and uh, I was it was day two and I was sitting way in the back of this big uh, auditorium and this uh, lady came in, this, this uh, older lady, and uh, she was uh, blind. And when when I when I was talking to her, looking at her, I mean, her eyes were clouded over. Uh, and um, and uh, so I'm not sure what that. There's a medical name for that. Yeah, yeah, but she, I mean, she could not see, and. Uh, and um, we were sitting back there, and, and she sat next to me, and and uh, and by the end of that day, um, uh, she had asked, she had told me uh, that she she wanted uh, me to to relay to someone else that I was with there that she wanted prayer for certain things for the church. And I can't remember to this day exactly what she was asking for, but it was nothing about her, right? And, um, and uh, but she was, her blindness was healed, was, was, the, was the end of the story. You prayed specifically for it? No, no, she, she was praying for the, for the uh, again, for certain things that were going on there, you know, and, uh, and again, I don't remember to this day because I was—I was just so astonished about what happened. I, I kind of forgot everything else about it. Uh, but all I know is that she couldn't see when she got there, and she could see when she left. 
can I just make the same? I think that's an awesome story. I believe it. Um, but I think that's God acting, um, and He can do what He wants. Mm -hmm. He always has. Mm -hmm. Whereas this would be like somebody having a gift of healing and praying, and, and I don't think you that story kind of relates. Yeah, and, and and again, it's, I I guess I, I understood the question maybe differently, mm -hmm. but but I understood the question was, have I seen um, something miraculous? And I did. Yeah, but yeah. I'm talking about somebody having a gift. Of, oh, okay. Of the thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I you know I have my own opinions about that. I, I'm not sure that uh, uh, this might be the place to share all that right now, but because we have a lot to go through. But I, I believe that there's that, that there are gifts uh, uh, of healing uh, still today. So I, I'll just say it like that. Yeah. yeah. So verses uh, one through three. Uh, Paul gets into identifying the spirit. Uh, the Corinthians had a pagan background, and it made them susceptible to being misled by uh, supernatural manifestations. So Paul told them how to identify those who spoke by the spirit. And he begins with the expression, now concerning spiritual gifts, uh, and I think this terminology concerning indicates that Paul responded to questions or issues raised by the Corinthians themselves. You know, they, were, they were asking maybe something about this. And uh, he doesn't reveal their precise concerns here, but, but I believe he stated emphatically that he didn't, he didn't want them to be uninformed, right? Or unaware uh, on this topic. So once again, we can see here Paul by uh, using the word brothers, uh, that, he, that I believe he's talking, you know, to believers as a familial uh, sense there. Uh, he provides a central uh, criteria for distinguishing the Holy Spirit's work from the experiences of a pagan religion, and he, I think he did this by setting up a contrast uh, uh, between the times when the Corinthians were pagans and led astray to mute idols and their Christian experience of speaking in the Spirit of God. Um, the, I've seen you know, debate on this before. Some interpreters argue that Paul contrasted the fact that pagans were led by idols and Christians were led by the Holy Spirit. Others have argued that Paul specifically contrasted the extraordinary supernatural experience of ecstatic speech in pagan religion with the supernatural work of tongues and prophecy of the Holy Spirit in the church. So I think the first look outlook may not be ruled out completely, but uh, I think several considerations support the, the second view. So I have here number one, that mystery religions popular in the Mediterranean world at the time, they did practice ecstatic speech. Uh, number two, in this passage, Paul did not focus on Jews, but on Gentiles who were likely to have been in, involved in such uh, idolatrous religions. Three, Paul said that the Gentile believers were formally led astray by someone or something. Uh, four, he described the idols as mute, uh, uh, which in this interpretation, that would be some kind of an irony, you know. And then five, the general context of this verse focuses on the nature and restrictions that apply to speaking in tongues. 
uh, Christian experience similar to uh, uh, ecstasy of pagan religions. Um, to me, it would seem to appear, therefore, that uh, Paul reminded the Corinthians about the past extraordinary religious experience of idol worship. So he was, doing, he was, there was, he was basically just contrasting things. And I think he drew attention to these past experiences uh, so that he could give uh, general instructions on distinguishing the Holy Spirit's gifts from pagan religious experiences. Does that make sense? So first, the Holy Spirit never leads anyone to say Jesus is accursed. If someone in the church at Corinth spoke such words, uh, even under some kind of supernatural influence, uh, he was not speaking by the Spirit of God. Second, the Holy Spirit empowers those who proclaim that Jesus is Lord. So an easy way to distinguish. Uh, and I would just say I, that, that uh, if a religious experience does not honor Christ as Lord, then it is not from the Spirit. Uh, if it does, then the Holy Spirit may be behind the experience. Okay. Verses 4 to 11 we start to get into diverse spiritual gifts. So Paul warns against identifying the Spirit with only one manifestation in the church. Uh, the gifts of, of the Spirit, uh, they're manifold, and each is important in the worship of God and the ministry of the church. So it's just not one overall gift. Uh, he spoke of the gifts in association with the Spirit. Uh, service ministries in conjunction with the Lord Jesus, uh, working in association with God the Father. Uh, we see here that diversity and unity coexist, yet each variety is associated with a person of the Trinity. Same Lord, same Spirit, same God. So then the authorization by the triune God indicates that the unity that exists uh, within the great variety, that unity exists within the great varieties. And again, the terms here are gifts, service, empowers, and uh, I think they all relate closely to one another. Um, gifts empower the Christian to function in the body of Christ. Service, uh, I think that comes from a terminology that describes uh, ministerial activities occurring within the church. And empowers. Uh, this word connotes uh, effectual work. Um, I think it could be translated as results or effects of. Uh, but the idea is that although humans perform uh, services in the church, only God the Father brings about the results of the gifts that are used in service. And then I noted here the, 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 uh, the word everyone. So all gifts are given, all are given a gift or gifts. Uh, and, uh, and I referenced uh, Joel 2, 28, 29, if somebody ever wants to check that out. And uh, but this was, this idea was fulfilled in Acts 2, 17 to 18. I don't think so. Verse 7. So the Holy Spirit is a down payment or guarantee of every believer's future inheritance. Okay, can we go to, can someone go to Ephesians 1 uh, and read verse 13 and 14? 
In him you all trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Okay, thank you. So all believers receive the Spirit. And uh, Paul didn't speak only of the Spirit's indwelling presence here, but of the manifestation of the Spirit. And I think that there's a distinction there. Uh, this means that every believer has some display or manifestation of the Holy Spirit's presence in his or her life. Uh, also, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit has a particular goal, uh, which is the common good. Uh, if we can go to 1 Peter, well, actually, I have it right here. 1 Peter 4.10 reads, As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And I, I just thought it was interesting how, how, um, how gifts are tied to God's uh, grace in, in this passage. All right, let's go to verses 8 through 10. So we're coming up with a list now, and this list includes, indicates that the same or one spirit manifests his uh, presence with great variety. Can someone go to Romans 12 and read verses 6 through 8 for us? And then someone else go to Ephesians 4.11, if you could please. came up uh, in a very Pentecostal background 
uh, early on. So my first uh, 10 or 12 years as a believer, um, I was uh, uh, influenced by Pentecostal teaching and, and, and uh, was around it quite a bit. And uh, so these things almost come back to haunt me a little bit when, when I see them. I guess that's the best way to put that. So let's read this. Um, I'm going to read uh, verses uh, 8 through 10. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to, to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Right. So, I almost wanted to just not even talk about these, but I have to because they're in the <laughs> they're in the, the uh, passage here. So, utterance of wisdom. Um, and so, this this is what I've come to to think uh, what these things mean. Let me put it that way. Uh, it's not good advice or uh, special intuitions. Uh, it's not even deeper insights, but it's the de declaration and explanation of the gospel of Christ. Uh, that's how I view utterance of wisdom. Utterance of knowledge, uh, not attainment of knowledge through some supernatural means, but knowledge of God in Christ that comes from direct revelation, in other words, God's word. Uh, and uh, this the result of this is the ability to then teach correctly. Okay? But can we sit here right now and say that what you just said is not necessarily an utterance of wisdom? Sure. Okay, so yeah. So what you, you just talked about something that's your interpretation of these particular ones because of all the things that you've been through. Correct. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's, from, it's from my past perspective, my current perspective, it's from uh, um, sitting under a lot of new different teachings since then. Can, can you, I'm just curious, can you back it up with anybody else's, you know, from Jonathan Edwards to, um, uh, to R.C. Sproul to uh, Spurgeon in between, who said anything like that about it? Not off the, not off the top of my head, I can't. Well, I, well yeah. I just was wondering in your studies whether you came oh, across oh, oh, oh. anybody who, who agreed with you on that particular one. And I'm, I'm, I agree with I'm what I just said, you mean? Yeah, the only thing that I'm challenging, mm -hmm. uh, Gabe, mm -hmm. is that um, to me that sounds off the cuff. It doesn't sound like, you know, like we can go to other scriptures back and forth all around and say that that's what this is. Because, um, see, my interpretation of mm -hmm. this uh, over, over, over time mm -hmm. is, that, is that this is this time that Paul wrote this, there were no scriptures. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, because there were no scriptures at the time that this was was written, it was an utterance, so to speak, uh, to people who didn't have the Word of God to go back to. They only had maybe one one book, and so the Holy Spirit was uh, influencing those people at that time. Mm -hmm. As we move along in time, the utterance is when you're preaching and you have the the full orbed um, uh, uh, of God, uh, the the uh, knowledge of not knowledge, but um, the Word of God, and you can put these things together, and you can utter wisdom from that particular point in time. Mm -hmm. That's that's just my interpretation, but I wouldn't say that that is exactly what this says either. Right. 
Yeah, and again, um, see, I'm, I'm, I'm still hesitant, even to this day, to, to claim someone else's uh, teaching, like a, like, and you name some names there, yeah. right? Um, uh, I, I, I read a lot about what people uh, say about God's Word. Um, am I influenced by some a little bit more than others? Absolutely. Um, um, but, um, but that's exactly what I'm talking about, Gabe. Yeah. Then you turn it around, and you just said something about this. That's mm -hmm. the same as any of those guys say something about this. Yeah, and, okay. and that's the, best, right. that's the I just, best I could do with the time I have. Well, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care if you had three days. Yeah, okay? yeah. It's yeah. still what you're saying yeah. about this particular point, yeah. and which which is what we have to take in whether or not we have to discern whether or not it's from the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, um, be, uh, but I mean, the, see, in in the Pentecostal uh, world, uh, a guy could turn around and look at somebody else and say, "You should sell your Mercedes and mm -hmm. give your." proceeds to XYZ sure. and that's the spirit of wisdom yeah. and I would say well, this is a nice show but when I go yeah. home I'm gonna to go to the movie yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. and I wouldn't agree with that of course not yeah. but but I'm just, but there's all the the uh, vagaries between that and that yeah and to me again it because this was before the scripture was completely full mm -hmm. I mean we don't even have we know we don't have second Corinthians okay mm -hmm. that um, that there were the Holy Spirit moved in a completely different way at this mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. than it does than it did after um, the whole um, uh, as we're going to see in chapter thirteen once everything came together. Mm -hmm. Okay, and now, so, I would I would just say that I mean again you know we, we live here in the now right um, we do have the Scripture we do have God's Word uh, um, and. You know, whatever, whatever I, whatever I try to say as what I think it means, right? It's going to come through prayer. It's going to come through study. It's going to come through listening to other brothers and sisters sometimes, you know, or listening to a, a, a pastor's sermon. You know, they're there to teach, so there's got to be value in that teaching, right? Or, or there wouldn't be that office, right, uh, that God gave us. So. Uh, so for me, it's it, it but it's, it's always comes back to God's word. You know, if if I can't take something you say or Rick says or anybody says to me, and 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 find it uh, uh, in Scripture, then then I have to doubt it, right? So I, I would, so that that would be my my frame of reference for me now, right? For me, when I was younger, I was more. Uh, willing to take someone's word for something right i guess the biggest thing that i'm saying is just that, that you have a horribly difficult time right here with with the scripture i mean i would it would just be terrible no, no, and I, and because I, and I how, we go, how are we going to interpret <laughs> how are we going to interpret that uh, the utterance of wisdom and the utterance of knowledge i i, I can't even interpret the difference between yeah. those two yeah and i and yeah. I, tr I tried here the best i could yeah okay you know, and uh, but again, you know, check it out for yourselves. You know, if it's if that's all I can, that's the only advice I can give, right? Um, faith. Um, I don't think here this is a reference to saving faith, uh, but it says the kind of faith that Jesus describes as faith as small as a mustard seed uh, in Matthew seventeen twenty. 
It's a strong conviction that God will move in one way or another in a specific circumstance. So that's how I see that here. Gifts of healing. Um, so supernatural healing, it was, it was, I mean, it was well attested in Scripture in, in the ministry of Jesus and in the early church. Uh, healing the physical body, I think, was a, a foretaste of the resurrection of the body uh, in the last day. Uh, the plural of gifted may indicate that this, uh, I think that this manifestation of the Spirit takes different forms at, at different times. So, again, we, we talked about that already a little bit about healing, you know. Um, I just want to make a distinction between God healing somebody, and I think that he's done that and always has mm -hmm. done that, and mm -hmm. always can and will mm -hmm. do that in certain areas, but these are things that the uh, individual person has, mm -hmm. the, the ability, the gift to do. There's yeah. a big difference between somebody got healed to say, well, I'm a continuationist because people are getting healed today, right. then I'm a continuationist because somebody has a gift of healing. Right. And then just one one distinction about like wisdom and knowledge, I don't know if it's a lot, I kind of wasn't <laughs> like the dispute was about, but um, wisdom being it kind of like you think of Solomon and, and mm -hmm. he had a dilemma and, and he had a spirit of wisdom about dividing the baby versus mm -hmm. a gift of knowledge being like what Jesus did with the woman at the well. Mm -hmm. He's he knows uh, the one you say is your husband is not your husband. In fact, you've had five husbands. That's a, a spiritual like a gift of knowledge that can come mm -hmm. on somebody to know something that they have no ability of knowing other than the spirit giving it to them. Right. And then wisdom would just be like a super because right. like everybody has faith, but right. there's a supernatural manifestation of faith in this list. Right. I think everybody has wisdom, especially if you're following the scripture, the, mm -hmm. the Lord's being wisdom. Yeah. But there's a extra manifestation of that that can come on, making right. a wise move. Yeah. yeah, and given as God decides, right? Which I guess is, is the main thing, right? Uh, miracles. You know, it's, it's just the ability to work in assortment of supernatural powers other than other than healing. So the, I think there were, he, he was distinctly, uh, he was uh, uh, looking at this to me, he was separating miracles from healing and just in that, in that one sense. My son has, he just expressed difficulty with understanding like the difference between somebody being healed is, is not a miracle. <laughs> you know, it is a miracle. I, I understand that. said you could have a gift of healing or miracles yeah. and you said I don't I guess I'd want to have miracles because then I could still heal <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of weird to, to flush that one out yeah and I, and, I, and I think though that again see this was my problem with, with, with chapter 12 is that Paul's generalizing a little bit here you know uh, you, you, you go to other uh some of his other epistles, some of the other passages, and 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 he seems to get a, a little, little more precise or a little more descriptive, you know. And I think here, um, this is a little more generalized. But but again, that's just my opinion. Prophecy. Um, Old Testament prophets spoke God's word under direct inspiration from God. Uh, I don't think there's any justification for thinking that the office of prophet uh, in the New Testament was substantially different in this regard from the Old Testament office of prophet. Uh, Joel prophesied that in the, in the final chapter of redemptive history, 
prophecy would be widespread among different classes of people. Um, and you'll see that in Joel 2, 28 and 29. Uh, the words of true prophets of the Spirit were to be received as the word of God himself. Um, hmm. I'll just skip what I wrote here. I finished this. Because it's just gonna it's just gonna rehash something. I I, fi I finished this 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 lesson plan about uh, two months ago, and and then uh, and we kept extending out the mm -hmm. the days, mm -hmm. and so I didn't look at it at it again till uh, last night, and and I, I, I want to make a bunch of changes. I'm not doing this at the last second. <laughs> yeah, but. Heck, well, let's just go with it. So both the apostolic and prophetic offices, they solidified the teaching of the church in its early years through special, unquestionable revelation. Right? All who declared words contrary to these foundational teachings were to be judged and rejected. And to be sure, the Corinthians lived in the times of the apostles when such special revelation still occurred. And I think that was the point you, one of the points you were making, right? So Paul could have had this manifestation of the Spirit in mind. At the same time, Paul encouraged the church to test prophecy. And in this regard, the word prophet might be a more generic sense of spokesperson who is not beyond question. Right? So distinguishing between the spirits. Uh, even in the Old Testament, Israel had false prophets. And, uh, who's, uh, and teachers whose true character had to be discerned. Uh, and the shame has been, the same has been true, but the shame, but maybe it is the same. The same has been true of the church uh, uh, from its uh, inception. Uh, behind these false teachers uh, are demons and evil spirits. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 to 10. Someone go to Jude 4. And someone go to Revelation 16, 13 to 14. Thessalonians 2, 9 to 10. I'll read it. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan which, uh, with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Thank you. Jude 4. 
there are certain men crept in, which were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men they are, which turn the grace of our God into wantonness and deny God the only Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. And in Revelation 16, 13, 14. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. For they were demonic spirits, performing signs, who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Thank you. So, so Paul again was was you know trying to teach the Corinthians and and, and show them uh, that. There would be deception of evil spirits, false prophets, and uh, and this is why he, he he was taking the time here to, to teach how to distinguish between uh, the spirits. Now the fun one, tongues. <laughs> uh, this is pretty controversial, you, you know. Uh, it always has been, I think it always will be. Um, much of the controversy centers on whether tongues were known human languages spoken by someone who did not know the language, or ecstatic utterances not known to humans, uh, perhaps even uh, the tongues of angels that we see in 1 Corinthians 13.1. Some interpreters have argued that tongues uh, included language that could be understood by listeners as if it was their own native language, uh, though it was not. Uh, we can go to, go to Acts 2.11 and uh, uh, as a reference. When you say song, that's kind of downplaying. The Bible says that. Hmm? You know, the Bible says that people hear the language in their own. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, okay. yeah, no, I'm not trying to downplay it. I'm, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying what's I'm just giving like uh, a, a general uh, idea of what some people, uh, what is said. Yeah, but that's the first Bible reference. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Exactly. And we all have, so have to mention that it's only been said since 1911. Prior to that, it wasn't said. Well, I wasn't around in 1911, so I don't know, but <laughs> you're probably right. <laughs> um, I'm just saying you couldn't have that conversation in 1850. Okay. It just, it just didn't exist. You couldn't have it in 1720. You couldn't have it in 1330. Mm -hmm. You've only had that conversation since 1911. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Okay. Um, if you look at 1210, <coughs> uh, I think a crucial consideration lies in the fact Paul did, did not say uh, tongues, but he said various kinds of tongues. And, and I'm not even sure why that struck me, uh, but it did. Uh, and to me, it seems to have intentionally been a little ambiguous here, uh, allowing for a wide range of uh, uh, phenomenon under the rubric of tongues. And uh, in, uh, in, for instance, in two, th in twelve two three, he drew a comparison between Christian tongues and pagan religious ecstatic speech. Uh, I would also pose that there's no reason to think that tongues always involved infallibly inspired speech, uh, uh, even in uh, the apostolic period. 
It's likely that some of the various kinds may have included infallible speech by apostles and prophets uh, when the Spirit inspired them infallibly. Yet it might also be likely that not all tongues were infallibly inspired and any more than all preaching or proclamation is. Uh, if infallible tongues uh, did once exist in the church, uh, they no longer exist uh, today. Gabe, uh, on that comment about the beginning of the chapter mm -hmm. where we, they were, you know, with pagan, like pagan mm -hmm. religions that had mm -hmm. nonsensical speech, actually what it's saying is you were led off the false gods that could not speak. Mm -hmm. That's the preface for all this. You're in a you're in a body that does speak. Right. God does speak. So let's talk about that. Yeah. I don't, you know, okay. it, it wasn't about like, like the warning is not about okay. worry about the false gods. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm sorry. I just yeah, no, no. Sure that's, <laughs> no, that's, it's, that's no, clear because it's yeah. Clear. yeah. I have an argument there. Uh, a little more on tongues. Uh, there's at least four characteristics of speaking in tongues that, uh, that I think have to be remembered. Right? Number one, the speakers uh, were not delirious. They were able to control how and when they spoke. Uh, number two, both the speakers and at least some hearers were able to understand what was said. Number three, the Holy Spirit enabled someone in the church to interpret the tongues. And number four, Paul preferred that people speak in church in languages that everyone in the church could understand. So, you know, I would offer that as just a guideline. Uh, interpretation of tongues. Uh, and, and this is when you, when you said earlier in, in, in your translation, it rendered the word tongues as, as language. This, this is where I made the connection when you said that, all right? Uh, that the word interpretation may be also rendered translation uh, in, in the usual sense of the word. So the ability to interpret tongues apparently differs in ways that corresponded to the kind of tongues uttered. Uh, but even when a known human language is spoken, uh, the gift was more than an ordinary ability to translate a language known to the translator. Did I, did I say that right? So it must have been a supernatural ability to translate an unknown language, in other words. If tongues involved ecstatic or angelic speech, interpretation would have involved translating the tongue into understandable human speech. Uh, Paul later gave instruction that when tongues occur in worship, they are to be interpreted, uh, if at all possible, so that all may benefit from what was spoken. And that's, he says that uh, moving forward in chapter 14, verses Five through twenty-eight. What's fascinating about that? You referenced uh, Acts two, mm -hmm. and that says, obviously, someone I think maybe they were speaking in what sounded like one language, and they thought they were drunk. And, mm -hmm. But it said everyone heard in their own language, which could mean that everyone has like it's not so much a translation, but you hear. You don't even know that the person's speaking a foreign language. You just hear them speaking what you think is English or your own language, but but everyone else is hearing something different. So it's not like you're translating. You're just hearing it completely different. Yeah, that's it's interesting. A possibility. I'm just yeah, no, no, that's that's an interesting idea because yeah, I'm 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 reminded of so the church I was at before we came here was a very very large church, and we had. Uh, <coughs> 
the, 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 the service was in English, right? But we had a whole Korean contingent. We had a whole Chinese contingent. We had uh, um, uh, a, uh, there was one other large group we had. I can't, I can't remember the ethnicity now. But they, were, they all wore headphones and they were hearing in their own language what was being preached in English. But they were hearing a translation, you know, of, of English. So, uh, um, and so to me, it, it would seem there had to be some, there had to be some possibility for misunderstanding because not, not all words translate from one language to another the same. I mean, just try, you know, I, I had a horrible time in seminary with Greek because I, I couldn't I just couldn't figure out the you know uh, why doesn't this translate it, that bothered me actually you know and it still bothers me to this day I don't know why you know it, it makes me feel like I'm missing something or I, I didn't understand something you know, that was maybe important uh, so it wouldn't be like that right uh, is what you're saying right I'm throwing out a possibility. I don't. Yeah. I don't yeah. claim to understand this. Yeah. <laughs> There's two possibilities. You're, you're absolutely right. That is possible, or it could be that different people were talking different languages, and the people next to them were, were hearing their own tongue. And that's what the way I've always seen it is the Holy Spirit came upon you know Jack who was standing next to Bill, and Bill was from uh, um, uh, Italy. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> wasn't Italy at the time, but Rome. some other part of Rome, and he was speaking. <laughs> The Roman language, yeah. and he was hearing it in, in his own. And yeah. the next guy was from Ethiopia, and he was talking in Ethiopian to the guy next to him. Yeah. That's the way I've always seen it. But the way that Rick's saying, just as miraculous and just as interpretive, that yeah. everybody was talking and, and everybody was hearing in a different way. Yeah, what was the result? Yeah, that they all believed. 3,000 people. Right. Yeah, like exactly. in one instant. You know, talk to, to, to me, talk about a miracle, right? The ultimate miracle. Yeah. Uh, I, I view evangelism that way. You know, is 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 uh, you know deep in my heart. You know, and 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 I, and I always feel um, two things. I always feel very honored that, that God put people in my path, but I also feel very scared at the same time that He put people in my path uh, because uh, I'm always worried that that, that I'm not going to say uh, what needs to be said in the way it needs in the way it needs to be said. Um, it's 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 so easy to compromise uh, uh, God's word to unbelievers when you when you're trying to tell them uh, you must be born again. That's why I'm so glad it's not up to you. <laughs> and, and so am I. <laughs> but, but, I, just, I just wanted yeah. to end on that. No, no, it's it's, it's 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 uh, it's definitely but, a gift. But from, you're right. You should God. always want to do the best you can That's do. That's right. Yeah. And, and I always and I always walk away from these encounters. Um, um, sometimes depressed, sometimes uh, ecstatic. Not in speech. <laughs> uh, it, it just it just depends how it went. You know, cause sometimes it doesn't go very well at all. It, you know, from from my own human standpoint, from God's standpoint, it, it's going exactly how He wants it. Right. Uh, so, verse eleven. So, oh boy, 
Having covered a short list of spiritual manifestations, Paul closes this with, with another general comment. As he pointed out in preceding verses, all spiritual gifts come uh, from one and the same spirit. They're all legitimate and important to the church because they come from the Holy Spirit. Skip a little bit here. So, verses 12 through 30 deal with uni unity and diversity in the body. Um, Paul points out the importance of each spiritual gift uh, by means of an analogy. He likened the church, the body of Christ, to the physical human body. And uh, he issued three statements which set up the basic structure of his analogy. First, uh, the human is one, it is one body, even though it has many members. Second, just as one human body has many parts, so, is, so it is with the body of Christ. Uh, here he points to the unity and diversity that exists in the church as Christ's body. Third, Paul explained how Christ's body resembles the human body. To emphasize the diversity within the church, he mentioned ethnic and social diversity. Uh, and you see that where he says Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. Now, all contribute to the church. No matter what had previously separated these people, they all have been joined together in one body by the means of one spirit. Um, he emphasized two experiences of the Holy Spirit that all believers share and that bring unity among them. First, that they are all baptized by one spirit. Second, they are all made to drink of one spirit. And uh, I... I I don't think he's talking about water baptism here, but baptism of the Holy Spirit, which occurs uh, at conversion. And I, I just threw that up as an aside because I, I've been talking with someone who's really into uh, baptism in, in two different senses. I think it's important to note here that Paul's arguments are presented in these verses that he assumed the unity of the church on the basis of the Spirit. Uh, verses 14 through 24, do not argue for the church's unity so much as they assume it. Uh, they argue for diversity. In today's church, we are fragmented because we consider diversity an obstacle to overcome uh, in the quest for unity. But I think from Paul's perspective, unity was to be sought in the spirit, not in uniformity. That's a great point. Uh, do you want to add to that? Oh, I just think that's because a lot of denominations separate because they want to be undiverse. Mm -hmm. yeah. They want to all think the same way and all have the same gifts. And all have yeah. the, same, yeah. uh, the fullness of the church and its ability to function properly depend on its diverse manifestations of the Spirit. My words is out of time. So, uh, I guess we'll have to finish this <laughs> next week. Uh, we only got about halfway. Rightfully so, it's rich stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's a, and I don't want to run through it, you know. And it just will give me a chance to go back and it depends on what our purpose amend is. some of my notes. <laughs> if our purpose is just to gather and read a chapter, yeah, yeah. then we can be done. But if our yeah. purpose is to know it and understand it and yeah. learn, then we should yeah. do that. Can you pray us out, brother? Sure. Father, uh, thank you for this time together and, and this chapter has many things that can be confusing to our time and um, with the lack of uh, all the information, the letters that were there, but when some things we are certain of, Lord, that there's one body, one faith, one spirit, we thank you for calling us into that body. Father, I pray that we start to see each other not as individuals, but part of the body of Christ, um, and that you gave gifts to each.
each member of that body just as you saw fit. I pray that we would not be jealous or envious or um, covet other people's gifts, that we would embrace um, and just walk in faith and just pray that you would manifest those gifts by us just being obedient to all the things that we do know and that you would express yourself through us in that way. Father, I pray that we would not be divisive about these things, that we would be open to hearing your truth, and we pray that the Spirit indeed would lead us in all truth, even as we spend time in this class and, and throughout the week. Lord, we're just uh, grateful for your Son, and um, we know that because he went to you and died rose again, that he did pour out a spirit on us. We thank you for it. Uh, we have it crying in our hearts and know that we have an inheritance waiting for us because of that. You've not left us orphans, Lord, so we just thank you for adopting us and we praise you in Christ's name, amen.